how are we doing? Yeah? You guys excited? So what does a dude do on his first Sunday? You guys realize what y'all have gotten yourself into, right? <laughs> We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. This is going to be a great adventure. So excited about what God is going to do in this church. And I'm so excited about what God is going to do in and through you as we go on this great adventure together. Because you realize we're in this thing together, right? Oh, we're going to jack this world up for Jesus. I hope you guys are ready. I hope y'all are ready. Um, man, praying and prepping and, and, and planning and, and trying to figure out what to say on a day like today. And the Lord just kind of led me to a passage of Scripture really a, a storyline that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. It's looking at the, the life of the children of Israel as they stepped out from Egypt, crossed the desert, and began to move into the promised land um, that, that God set before them. Uh, if you got your Bibles or your tablets, your phones, whatever you, whatever you got, uh, pull up Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. Um, they're going to put the verses up on the screens. I want to read off the screens because I love doing that. I give you my side profile, which I think is my best. Uh, make sure we're looking good. Uh, Joshua 3, verse 1. says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from holy junk. What is that word? Can, can we even say that in church? What is that? I mean, it's in the Bible, right? We, can we say? See, see, y'all are laughing. Y'all are thinking what I was thinking. This makes me feel a little bit better. Um, so early in the morning, he set out from, and here's the correct, the correct pronunciation of the word, Shatim. Shatim, yep. And like they couldn't have come up with a better way to spell that. Oh, my gosh. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, three giving orders to the people. And this is what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest, that had to be fun, being a Levitical priest, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it, then you will know which way to go. It's interesting that they waited for the Ark of God, the presence of God to go before them before they knew which way to go. That's the way it should be when you follow God. Um, since you have never been this way before, but keep distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, don't go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. They took it and went ahead of them. This was a big day for the nation of Israel. This was a huge day for the nation of Israel. Because God just looked at them and said, hey, it's time to move. It's time to move. You've been camping here long enough. You've been waiting long enough. I brought you out of Egypt. I put you in this place. And now it's time to move in to what I've set before you. It's time to move in to the promise that I have for your life. Now, when you look at this passage of Scripture and you just read over it, I mean, it... You can read over it real fast and not appreciate what's happening here. Because the meaning of the moment is lost without the context of the process of the journey required to arrive there. In other words, if you don't know what it took to get to that point, there's no way that you can appreciate the power of the moment. Amen? You know, look at somebody's life. There's, there are stories behind every set of eyes that is in this building today and if we were to look at where you are in life right now at a glance it might not seem like a big deal but we don't understand the sleepless nights that you had we don't understand the struggles that you had to get to where you are right now you know what i mean if you don't understand the full context of what it took to get a person to where they are in life you lose the power of the moment an appreciation of what it is for them to be where they are. Because I know this, some of y'all shouldn't be here today. 
Some of y'all shouldn't be here today. Some of y'all should be dead. Dude, we should be locked up. Oh my gosh, how many of us should be locked up this morning? Are you kidding? The hands are going up. Yeah, I don't even care. Yep, I know right now. Yeah, should be locked up, put behind bars. Maybe in a room with some white walls and see if we can bounce around off some stuff with a little jacket to hold it. Yeah, I think a lot of us qualify for that. Yeah. Um, but this is what's happening with the nation of Israel. And if you don't understand the process that they went through to get to this point, you say, oh, these guys are just getting up and they're just going to cross a river and move on into that promised land. This is a group of people that spent 430-ish years as slaves in Egypt. 430 years of slavery, multiple generations. All they knew before Moses showed up and said, hey, uh, we're going to get out of here, was that there were slaves. They made bricks. They did what the Egyptians told them to do. That was their entire life. Moses showed up and said, we're out of here. God brought plague after plague after plague on Egypt to change Pharaoh's, to, to get him to, to let the, the, the children of Israel go. Um, I probably would have stopped at the first one. Said, get out of here. This is more trouble than it needs to be. Um, especially with the frogs. Holy junk. Frogs everywhere? Are you kidding me? Yeah, get out. Get out of here. That's just getting creepy. How many of y'all love frogs? Really? Oh, see, y'all are the ones that need to be in the rooms with the pads on the wall. I think I did this just a uh, pet frog. Y'all have pet frogs? I got to ask. I got to know. Does anybody have a pet frog? Okay, so we're not that far gone. Okay, we got. <laughs> I would have just stopped, you know, at the first couple of plays. Get out of here. Moses took them out of Egypt into the desert with no plan other than God said do it. That's a guy I could follow. Where are we going? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> they, they started marching. Pillar of cloud by day to keep the heat of the sun off of them. So they literally were walking in the desert in the shade like a boss. It's just awesome. Uh, fire by night to light the way, keep them warm because deserts get cold at night, man. Keep the predators off of them. God watched their back. He was taking care of them. Took them one step at a time on that journey. Manna. Fed them with a bunch of dead birds. Took care of them. Gave them water out of a rock. That's crazy. Gave them the Ten Commandments along the way. It's just powerful. All the stuff that they experienced on this journey. They stopped at the banks of the Red Sea. And they couldn't go any further. And the whole stinking Egyptian army was coming down on them, fixing to take them out. That had to be fun. And Moses stood up and said, hey, God's going to show us something today. He stood up with his staff, and God parted the waters. And these people walked across on dry ground. Then they were able to turn around and look back and watch the entire Egyptian army destroyed. It's just amazing the things that they went through. Then they got literally, I mean, within eyesight a short distance away from the promised land that God called them to walk into. And they had to stop because they were stubborn and hard-hearted. They, they complained a lot. They were rebellious against God. And God said, I've had just about enough of this. God even wanted to kill every last stinking one of them at one point. Now, you've done made God mad, the God of love, when he goes, no, nah, y'all are too jacked up. It's gone. I'm going to kill all of y'all, and I'm going to start all over with Moses. Moses talked him into not killing them. And that whole generation had to wait about 40 years for them all to die off before this new group of people could go into the promised land. They went through all that journey to sit within literally eyesight of where they were going. And then they had to wait 40 more years before God gave them the green light to go into this. Now, if I was sitting in that camp... I would be chomping at the bit waiting for God to tell me to go because I had just waited 40 years because of a bunch of knuckleheads that were keeping me from walking into the promise of God. Y'all would have been the same way? How many of y'all ever had to wait on God to do something powerful in your life? How many of you had to pray for something and it seemed like it took forever and a day for God to give you an answer? You know, y'all know what it's like to have to wait. These guys had to wait. It was amazing. So if you don't understand the process that they had to get through, 
to go through to get to this point, you'll completely lose sight of this. This was a time for them to get up and move on. It's time for them to get up and move on. A couple of thoughts about journeys that I, I want to talk about before we kind of move into a different phase of what I want to share with you and what God put on my heart this morning. Um, as you go through this journey called life, you go through different seasons. Seasons are different, and there's always change. Always change, always new seasons in life. Um, I've noticed that not everyone who journeys with you today will be with you when it's time to cross over into a new season. If you look back on the landscape of your life, you, know, you, you can see people coming into your life and people leaving your life. Probably there are people that you were like this with 10 years ago, 15 years ago, dare I say 20 or 30 for some of us in here, um, that you're not that close with anymore. Maybe you don't even talk to them. People come in and people go. Um, sometimes people teach us stuff. People teach us lessons. We've got mentors that come in and they leave our lives. People that speak into our lives, make us better. It's like that iron sharpening iron. Get us a little more honed and a little more ready to become the person that God's called us to be. You know, and then, then you, got, uh, you got people that come into your life sometimes and it seems like they're just there to test you. <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all know. If you're not laughing, you're probably testing somebody right now and you don't even realize it. Yeah, they just test you, it seems like. They're just there to frustrate. And then there's just those people sometimes, it seems like they were just sent by Satan himself to make your life a living hell. You ever had somebody like that in your life? Like every hour seemed like 10. It's like you couldn't do anything right. They were always there pointing out your faults. They're the people that hate you for no reason. They're the people that are malicious. They're the people that lie about you. They're the people that frustrate you. They're the boss at work. It just seems like they've just got it in for you. And there's nothing that you can do right in the world. There's people that just absolutely hate you, it seems like. But you know, I learned a long time ago that the people that frustrate me the most seem to be the one that God uses the most to grow me and get me to a place where I'm better equipped to do what he's called me to do. And I learned maybe those people that frustrate me and aggravate the snot out of me uh, at times, maybe I shouldn't complain about them to God. Maybe sometimes I should just put on the brakes and thank God that they're in my life. Pastor Josh, are you out of your mind? A little bit, a little bit. But think about it. Think about this. If it wasn't for Saul, David wouldn't have been David. If Saul hadn't been that point of conflict in David's life, David wouldn't have been David. Think about this. If it wasn't for Judas betraying Jesus, maybe there wouldn't have been a cross. You think about that? Sometimes God will use the people that frustrate us the most in different seasons of our life to catapult us into what he's got for us and what he's called us to do. So maybe not all that frustration is bad stuff. People come in, people go out. I tell you what, though, what I've noticed, um, that, that through every season of life, through every season of life, all the people coming in, all the people going out, God is always constant. God is always present, and he's faithful to be with us and to never fail us through all the processes and all the seasons of life. People will walk out and people will leave us. God is always there. And I want to encourage you this morning because you might be going through a season of life right now where it doesn't seem like people are sticking with you, where it seems like people are betraying you. You might be going through a season of life right now where it's frustrating and you feel like you're stuck in a process and you don't see a way out of it and people are coming in and people are going out. But I want to encourage you because no matter who leaves your life, God will always be there. God will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave your side. When everybody walks away, he'll be an ever-present help in a time of need. When people walk away, God is always present. God is always present. You walk through seasons and you see these different things. Um, I've noticed, too, that it seems like Every season of the journey prepares you for the next. God's got a way of using today to get you ready for tomorrow. He doesn't just use people. He uses the entire seasons. 
Look at um, the life of David. David's just an amazing guy. But he didn't start out that way. He didn't start out that way. Um, Zechariah 4, verse 10 says this. It says, don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise small beginnings. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Whether it's with your walk with God, which I know can be incredibly awkward sometimes. Because you see all these people jumping around and praising God, and you're like, I can just barely spell God. I did good to get to church this morning. You know, it, it, it's hard sometimes to get consistent because you feel like you've got this small beginning in your walk with God. I want to encourage you keep going, keep going, keep going. Because the season that you're in right now will get you ready for the season that God is about to put you in in your walk with Him. Amen? Um, David didn't start out like a big dog, though. He didn't start out like a big dog. He was some kid watching sheep out in a, out a, out in a pasture somewhere. When Samuel rolled up to Jesse's house and he said, Hey, one of your boys is going to be king. One of your boys is going to be king. Get them all here. Jesse didn't even think enough of David to put him in the group to walk in front of Samuel. That's when you know your daddy loves you. You want to talk about daddy issues. Man, happy birthday, son. Yeah, um, dad, remember that time the prophet came and he said one of us was going to be a king and he brought all the brothers, but it's up for me. Yeah, thanks for that, dad. I appreciate that. Yeah. They had to bring him in. Samuel looked at him and said, you're the one. You're going to be king over Israel. And you know what David did after he was anointed king over Israel by the prophet? You know what he did? He went right back out to watching sheep. He went right back out to watching sheep. You know, sometimes in your walk with God and sometimes in life, you think you're just jacked up and ready for a moment. And sometimes it seems like God will just grab you and bring you back. And put you out in the pasture because you're not ready yet. Because a moment of recognition doesn't mean that you've gone through the proper preparation to get where God wants you to be. You understand? So, so David had to walk through that. Now here comes a lion. Here comes a bear. Here comes a whole lot of lonely days out there in the pasture. But if David hadn't fought the lion and David hadn't fought the bear... David wouldn't have been ready for the Goliath that was on his horizon. Because every season of life prepares you for the next. Every season prepares you for the next. Um, and I was thinking about our church. And all the things that we had walked through. You know, and if you're not careful, you can be in a moment like we're in today where we've got a new season, kind of a blank canvas before us as a church where we can literally write any story we want to write and become anything we want to be. And you lose sight of the power of the moment and the importance of the moment because you forget the context of the journey that brought us to this point as a church. Are you hearing me? We're on Bright Star Road doing awesome stuff, the kingdom of God. Hit some storms, hit some challenges. Here comes the enemy. Here comes some attacks. We took on some lions and we took on some bears. And we ended up having to leave that facility. And we ended up having to go portable. Like we had no home. We were literally stinking nomads as a church. We shared a church building with another church for a couple of years. How many of y'all were part of Life Point Church when we went through that? That was just, man, can I be honest with you? That season of ministry in our church, it just sucked. It stunk. It, it was so hard to invite people to church. They'd be like, hey, uh, you'd be like, hey, you want to come to church with me? Yeah, cool. Where do you go? Oh, to Life Point Church. Where do you guys meet? Well, you got to go to Glory Hill Church of God. And Life Point Church, we meet at Glory Hill Church of God. What? 
That doesn't even make sense. It was just complicated. It was confusing. Um, it was so frustrating because we were like trying to do what God called us to do in a place that we were there, but it wasn't our home. It wasn't our home. And we, got, we saw God do some great things, but there were some times where we just had to gut it out as a church and go through that process. God landed us here. And we were able to get kind of a fresh start, catch our breath. Look at, looking at a, a new season here. Guys, I'm looking back over the landscape of our life as a church. I'm looking back over the landscape of the struggles that I've seen you guys walk through and the battles that I've seen you fight. I'm looking back over years that has brought us to this point right now. And I've seen the attacks. I've seen the struggles. I've seen us had to fight through some stuff. But through it all, I've seen people come and people go and prepare us for what God's got next for us. I've seen challenges come through seasons of this church to prepare us for where God was leading us next. And I'm here to tell you as a pastor, you can bring on the lion and you can bring on the bear because every one of them will will give us the opportunity to say that the God who delivered us from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will knock down every giant that this church faces because our God is more than able to make a way for us not just as a church but in your life individually the same God that was faithful in season after season after season after season is the same God that's going before us as a church and as individuals to make a way into this new season that he's calling us into amen so Joshua tells these guys Let's get going. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. He says, So the people left their camp, crossed the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. God just picks the most perfect seasons to do things sometimes. When you going to cross the river, God? Let's wait till it's harvest season, and the river's flowing over the bank, so it's almost an impossible situation. That's when we're going to do it. Okay? <laughs> Let's do that. Man, that's how God works sometimes, though. You get an impossible stuff, and God does some miraculous through it. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. That had to be a sight to see. A great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point um, flowed to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's a powerful moment right there. They're crossing over into this promise that God gave them literally generations ago. And they're walking into it. And I was reading this. The Lord kind of showed me something, though. Because this isn't the first time that the nation of Israel had crossed over a body of water on dry ground. See, this is still the same nation that stood at the banks of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army coming down on them. And God parted the waters, and they walked across on dry ground. Here he is doing the same thing with the Jordan River. Walked across on dry ground. But this time it was different. Because this time it wasn't what was behind them. It wasn't what was behind them that pushed them across. It was a promise of what was ahead. It was the promise of what was ahead. And we're at a point in our church where this is true for us. Not just corporately but individually too. Because some of y'all are in a place in your walk with God where up until this point, your whole existence as someone trying to do your best to live for God has been trying to get away from Egypt, trying to get away from Egypt, trying to get away from Egypt, trying to get away from slavery, trying to get away from sin issues in your life, trying to get away from issues of anger, trying to get away from your past, trying to get away 
from that disgusting person that was dead in sin, trying to get away, trying to get away. And I believe in my heart as your pastor that God is putting you into a season where that struggle will be over and you'll begin to stop fighting the fight of the past and you'll begin to look forward. And it won't be the bondage that you're trying to get away from. It'll be the promise of God that will draw you across into the promise that he's got for your life. I mean, think about this for a second. Just stop, for, put on the brakes and let's just think. I want to ask you a question. I mean, if you could ask God for anything, anything, anything to happen in your life, what would you ask him for? If God could do anything through you, what would you want him to do? If God could do anything in your marriage, anything in your relationships, if God could do something powerful through your business, what would you want him to do? What, would you, what is that thing that if you dared to just take off the blinders of what you see around you and you were able to step out in just ridiculous, crazy faith, what is that thing? What is that thing that you would want God to do in and through you as a person? What would you want him to do in and through your ministry? In and through your family? You know, I was thinking about that. I was praying on that. Praying on the future of this church and praying over you and the future that God has for you and your callings and, and, and your gifts and your talents because I believe that a church is most powerful when the people step into their calling. This church doesn't ride on me and what God has called me to do. This church rides on you rising up into the gifts and the talents and the callings that God has put on you. Whether it's a direct ministry here or a ministry at the workplace or speaking life over someone or another family. God is going to move powerfully through this church when God moves powerfully through this church through you. Through you. So what is that thing? Ephesians chapter 3. I keep coming back to this verse over and over and over again. It says, It's now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Him. Him doing the work you know I was thinking all the stuff that we can dream up all the stuff that we could step out into and believe God for to do through this church and to do through us the biggest craziest thing that we could dream up God's just waiting for us to get to that point so that he can do something immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine an entirely new level. It's time for us to church, as a church and as individuals, to begin to dream again. To dream crazy dreams. To step out into the vision that God has for us in a place of reckless abandon and extreme faith and allow Him to move through us. When we do that as a church, we will just be coming we would just be becoming the church that god wants us to be we will just begin to be becoming the people that god wants us to be and i know some of you here when i talk like that it scares the junk out of you it just scares you because you look at who you are right now and you look at who you've been and you look at the struggles and you look at the bondage and you look at the Egypt and you look at all that stuff. I want to challenge you as your pastor to move over into a place where the promise of who you could become in Christ is your motivator and not the guilt and the shame of who you used to be or who you might be right now is. We serve a God of endless potential. We serve a God that took a bunch of jacked up people that couldn't find their behind with both hands spiritually and turned them into a group of people that turned this world upside down. 
This Moses guy that we've been talking about was one of the most unqualified people on the planet to lead the nation of Israel. And God did something powerful through him. Don't you think for a second that you're not good enough. I got news for you. You're not good enough. Neither am I. And that's a good thing because we don't have to be good enough. We just have to step out and let God work through us. God does the impossible through the jacked up. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. And if we step out into that and we get a little rowdy and we just trust God this much, this much as a church, I believe we can see him do the impossible through us. So don't let, those, don't let, don't let the devil play mind games with you. Don't psych yourself out. Don't psych yourself out. People come to church and they're used to hearing about all the junk that is wrong with them. They're used to hearing about all the stuff that's in their life that they need to get out of their life. And there's a point in your walk with God where it's time to lay stuff down. It's time to move on. Sometimes you've got to confront those issues. Sometimes you've you got to just look that stuff square in the eye and hit it with your best shot and watch it fall. I get that. I get that. But usually those moments come because one step at a time we get there. All right? And people lose sight of the potential of the victory they can walk in because they get frustrated about step seven through what God has taken them through to get them to that point. Understand? Understand? Don't psych yourselves out. My heart, what I want this church to be, what God is burning in my heart for this church to do is just real simple. It's just real simple. There are five things that he keeps putting on my heart I want to share with you this morning. And I want to share a little bit of my heart and a little bit of my vision and direction that I feel God leading us as a church. And the first one is this. I want us to be a church where the word of God is preached without compromise. Now, we got that good here at LifePoint. We got that good. But I want every time you take the time to show up to church that you know that you're going to get fed. That you know you're going to get the absolute best of whoever's bringing the word that day. Whether it's me or Pastor Brad or somebody else. We're going to study. We're going to pray. We're going to pay the price. And we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it. The second thing is this. Um, I want us to be a church where the worship is powerful and passionate and anointed. And I praise God for every member of the praise team that we have here. Guys, they, they, these people are real. They love God. They love God. But I want every time, the, I mean the first note is played for the presence of God to be in this place and his anointing to be here. Um, I want every time this church to be a place where the worship is powerful and passionate and anointed, not just from the band, but from you. Because we serve a God who's worthy to be praised. Amen? Listen, and as awesome as these people are and as real and as genuine as these people are, listen, they can't reach inside of your heart and turn on that fire. They can't reach inside of you and turn on that passion. I want us to be so rowdy when we praise God in this place that the cops have to come knock on the doors because businesses around here are complaining. I want there to, if it's possible, I want a stinking fireball from heaven to drop on this place because somewhere in the world, there's actually a group of people who are hungry enough for God to make him want to show up and move in their lives. The third thing I want is I want us to be a church where we invest and where we launch. Where we invest and where we launch. What does that mean, Josh? Listen, this is what I know in this room right now, that there are gifts and there are talents that God has put in everybody that's here. Gifts and talents. I want this to be a church that invests in your gifts and invests in your talents. We want to train. We want to equip. We want to help you become the person that God has called you to be and do what God has called, what, do what God has called you to do in your life. I want to help launch you I want to help launch you into your calling and into your passion. I don't want you to ever to come to Life Point Church and say, man, there's nowhere to serve. 
I don't want you to ever come to Life Point Church and say, man, there's nowhere for me to connect. There's nowhere for me to get involved. There's, like, they just, I don't ever want you to, this to be a church where you come and you feel like you're being used. Where you're just something that they put on a stage and a talent that, that, that's burned up and then thrown away when there's somebody who's better to replace you. You matter. You matter. Your gifts and your talents and your calling matters. And this is going to be a church that invests in you because God loves you and we love you the same way God loves you. God's got a plan for your life that's no more. Look, my, my calling's no more important than yours. You got that, right? We're all just trying to serve God the best we can. This is my role. Some of y'all are in roles right now. Some of y'all have yet to step into roles. I want this to be a church that believes in you, invests in you, and does its best to launch you into God's call on your life. Whatever that is, whatever that means, we're going to be here and we're going to pour into you. Amen? Amen? All right. The third thing is, or fourth thing is this. <clears throat> I want us to be a church where our children and our students matter. Amen. I want this to be a church where our children and our students matter. Shame on us if we don't pour into the next generation. Shame on us if we don't resource the next generation. Guys, the group that's coming up after us is going to have, you think we're facing challenges right now? We're looking back and we're looking at the world. Some of us are a little bit older and going, wow, this world's jacked up. I, I can't believe all the, what, what, all, all the, all the issues. I, we didn't even have words for behaviors that people have. That going, well, when I was growing up, we didn't even know what that was. People are just acting like they're out of their mind now. <clears throat> this is the group of people that the next generation of the church is going to have to reach. We need to invest in them because they got their work cut out for them. Amen? In a couple of weeks... Um, I think on the night, yeah, on the nineteenth, I'm going to announce a crazy strategy for us as a church to take a huge step to invest in our children and our student ministries here at Life Point Church because they should be resourced, taken care of, staffed, and they need to listen. We need to shift and make these ministries the most important ministries of our church because if we can't pour into our children, man, shame on us. Shame on us if we have top-notch everything in here and our children and our students are working with scraps. It should not be that way. It will not be that way in this church. We're going to be a church that takes care of the next generation. Amen? All right. The fifth thing is this. I want us to be a church where we can dream, where we can believe, and where we can see God do the impossible. I want to see him do the impossible. Not just on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or some fight night like we had last night here at the church. Dude, there were some good fights last night. My, my, my. Um, <clears throat> but I want to see God do the impossible. I want us to be in a place where we step out and trust him to do the impossible through us. And I was praying and seeking the face of God and he began to speak to me. And I, I just, my, my whole philosophy on ministry, guys, is just real simple. Here at this church, I want us to be a church that just listens to God and we do what he says. We listen to God and we do what he says. If you look through scripture, are you going to see these people that did amazing things all through the Bible are people that they didn't have a plan. They didn't have some grandiose. Now, we're going to plan, we're going to prepare, but we're going to plan and prepare in the context of what God has told us to do. Okay, we're never going to step outside of that. These are people that got a word from God and they went after it. And when they were done, God spoke to them again and then they went after it. And then God spoke to them again and they went after it. That's what I want for our church. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. God was speaking to me and laying things on my heart. And he told me, I mean, just as clear as I'm talking to you right now. I was in here praying this is a few months ago. Um, back when Pastor and I finally decided, hey, you know what? We, Pastor Roland and I, we decided we were going to pull the trigger on this thing. And he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was calling him to this next season of ministry in his life. And I felt peace about what God was calling me to do, becoming your pastor. And I was in here praying. God spoke to me just as clear as I'm speaking to you right now. 
And he said, Josh, you need to begin to prepare because I'm going to bring a harvest of souls into this church. And I may sound kind of churchy. That's how he talked to me, word for word. A harvest of souls. A harvest of souls. Which, I mean, it just, it fits my whole motivation for ministry right now too because I want this church to be a church where unchurched people want to attend. Okay? Now, listen to me. We're not going to get there as a church being your typical Bible belt, let's go thump the Bible around kind of church. Okay? We're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to shift the culture a little bit here. Not that there's anything wrong with what we're doing right now, but I'm telling you what, there's a lot of people out there that don't go to church that could be. Because whatever every other church, and I praise God for every other church because I believe they're reaching the people that God wants them to reach. And thank God for them. But there's a lot of people that aren't being reached by churches doing church the way that they do it. I want to reach those people. I want to reach those people. I want to reach the people that don't give church a second thought. I want to introduce them to a God that they can't get away from. That's what I want. I've been making phone calls and talking to people and having conversations. Guys, I've, I've, talked, I've, talked, to, um, I've talked to lesbians. I've talked to gay guys. I've talked to atheists. I've talked to moms of transgender children. And just asking them, hey, <laughs> what's your take on church? And man, it's been interesting. I'll tell you that. It's been interesting. Uh, how many of y'all know what uh, Barna Research is? You know, Barna Research is think tank that tried to come up with statistics for church and all that. Well, I was getting info like it was just a straight Barna Research project complete with F-bombs, GDs, and this, that, and the other. And I hate the church. This, that. Oh, it was raw. It was raw. And it was so awesome. It was so awesome because... Now, I don't think I learned anything that was revolutionary in talking to them, but the heart that came across from these people was amazing. And you hear things like, you know what, we don't, I'll, I'll never come to church because um, when, when people like me go through stuff, you don't want me around. Because my issues and my struggles seem like they're too dirty for you guys to mess with. Um, I don't think I could bring my child into your church because I don't think that your children would receive them well. And I don't think you would treat my child the way I would want them to be treated because they're transgender. Chew on that for a moment. That's a legit concern. That's a mom and a dad wanting the best for their child who's scared to death to bring them through the door to the one place that can make the biggest impact in their life because of the perception of how people like us treat them. I want a church that reaches people like that. I want a church where people can come in hungover and smelling like a fifth of vodka, sit down, and have God rock their world and not receive one ounce of judgment or one side comment. If they want to walk through the doors of this church, they're going to be welcome in this church because God can do something in their lives. I don't care how they're dressed. If two dudes come in holding hands and they make out in the foyer, they're in this church and God's got the opportunity to move in their lives. We're going to reach the culture that's around this church. Shame on us if they come in here looking for an answer and we turn them away because they don't look like us or they don't talk like us or behave like us. They're in sin. What do you think they're going to do? Shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on us if we don't give God the opportunity to move in their lives. Shame on us if we don't create an environment where someone like that can come to this church and be, be here for multiple weeks or months 
just to check it out before they even make a decision to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are never going to reach this world with our heads up our spiritual rear ends. Okay? God is calling us to become a church that's going to reach these people. And don't forget, guys, it wasn't too long ago for some of us that we looked just like that. I know y'all are here undercover right now. I know we got guys in here that have had homosexual thoughts. I know we've got women in here right now. You've got a lesbian past. I know we come in here and we look pretty and we praise God, but don't forget the junk that he's brought you out of. Don't forget the bottles of beer at your house that you used to have. Don't forget the pornography that you used to be addicted to. Don't forget about all the sex that you had before you were married. Don't forget about the lifestyle that you had because the same God that loved you then loves these people now too. Okay? We gotta be a church that reaches people. A church where unchurched people would want to attend. I had a conversation with... um, one person in particular, they're just an atheist, and uh, it was very apparent that um, that they did not believe in the God that I believe in. And I had this conversation with them. We went, didn't go back and forth so much as I just shut up and listened, you know. And I took a position of seeking to understand. before I spoke. And this person's heart just began to come out. It was talk, 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 talk. And you know what? I agree with just about everything that they said. I think the church could do a whole lot better in a whole lot of circles to reach people. I know that I could probably do a whole lot better personally to reach out to people. Um, and I can own that. And I want to reach people in my life. She said... Um, at the end of the conversation, I was talking to her. She said this. It blew me away. She said, you know, I haven't even wanted to hear any of the messages that you people preach. For over 10 years, when, when, when's, when's your first service going to be as, as pastor? of this church and I told her she said listen it's been over 10 years but could you send me a copy of that message because I'd like to listen to it and I thought ah there we go there we go I got a text from this person a couple of days later blew me away because they had um, run into, I guess, someone they recognize as uh, a local pastor in their area. They live out of state. And she said, you know what? I ran into this guy, and I just wanted you to know this, that I'm going to give it a shot, and I'm going to take my family to this church for the first time in over 10 years years an atheist mother of a transgender child is going to walk through the doors of a church and be in a place where God can move in their lives that's what I want for this church where we go out and we're able to have conversations with people and just listen and connect and show the love of God and give an opportunity for people to come in that may not have been in church for years, that may have been burnt by church, that, that God may be the last thing on their radar. I want this to be a church where those people feel welcome, where God can move in their lives. And I want us to be a church where we reach out to those people. Because I, I bet you, I bet you a McDonald's ice cream <laughs> that everybody in here know somebody that fits into that category in fact let me see a show of hands how many say yeah I know somebody I know somebody now how many of you would say this Josh I know it 
But there really hasn't been a place where I felt comfortable enough to invite that person to church. How many of you would say that? Several of us in here. I want our church to be a place where you don't have to worry about being comfortable or not inviting somebody. I want this to be a place where you know the word of God is going to go out and that people like that are going to be welcome here. I was talking to a guy. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up here in a second. It was funny. I, just, I was talking to this guy, and he said, well, I tell you what, every church I've been into, they won't let me smoke on the property. They asked me not to smoke. And if I can't smoke, I just ain't going to show up. Bro, bring 20 packs and smoke them in a parking lot. I don't care. I don't care. Just come inside and let's let God move in your life. You know? Well, if I show up, I'm going to bring my beer. I bet you won't let me bring my beer. Dude said that to me. I'm like, bro, show up and bring a beer. I'll sit next to you and give you a coaster. Be in a place. Just come on in here and let God move in your life. Now, some of y'all, that freaks you out because you used to Bible Belt Christianity. That guy is going to die and go to hell if he doesn't have Jesus in his heart. I would love to see this altar full of weed. I would love to see it full of beer. I would, I would love to see it full of all kinds of junk. Needles, I want to see it full of all the stuff that represents the bondages that people walk out of because God rocks their world through what he does here at LifePoint Church. Bring it on. I'll put a Budweiser can right there and hold it up, and I'll say, look what God delivered somebody from today. Bam. I don't care. I want them to get Jesus. Amen? Amen. That sound like a cool church to you? Let's all stand to our feet if you can. Stand on up. I love you guys. I love you guys. And I'm going to be with you through thick and thin until God releases me to do something else. And I'll be with you through thick and thin until God releases you to do something else. But while we're here together, why don't we do something crazy for the kingdom of God? Why don't we step out and give God the opportunity to rock the world of people that are overlooked and other people have given up on. And don't forget the fact that we used to be those people too. Amen? Amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, I thank you for their hearts. And Lord, I thank you for the unlimited potential that sits inside of their hearts because with you, they're really isn't there really is no existence of the word impossible all things are possible to him who believes and i believe that this church can be a church that reaches people that aren't being reached i believe that this church can be a church that's a safe haven for people to come in and receive you moving in their lives god without judgment I believe that this can be a place where we can all grow up because it is okay to not be okay. But Jesus paid a price so that we didn't have to stay that way. God, I thank you that this place is going to be a place that's committed to us growing spiritually and not just tolerating the stuff that we sit in. But I thank you that you're going to show us how to grow up and become powerful tools in your hand to reach this world. 